Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833995 gold 833995 g o l d welcome to today's edition of the clay travis and buck sexton show podcast welcome in wednesday edition clay travis buck sexton show it is debate day in milwaukee I am here in Milwaukee with all of you simultaneously. Donald Trump is doing an interview with Tucker Carlson, which will appear at the same time. It is going to be a wild day indeed. Right off the top, thank you to everybody who came out to the Paps Theater last night in Milwaukee. Our WISN 11.30 a.m. crew It was a spectacular night. 1895, that theater was built. It was packed. We had an amazing time. Dan O'Donnell is going to jump in a little bit. Many of you in the Milwaukee area know him very well as he is on before us on this affiliate station. And I cannot believe how much fun I have had on the road with you with American Playbook out Cleveland, Atlanta, uh, New York City, Milwaukee, Nashville, Tampa, Salt Lake City, and Houston. Just in the last 10 days or so, I have been all over the place. I cannot tell you how fabulous everything has been, how amazing so many of you are. I do believe that we have the best audience for media anywhere in the entire United States. So thanks to everybody who has come out. Thanks for making American Playbook, the number one book, uh, best-selling book for nonfiction anywhere in the country on release week. Uh, I could not say thank you enough. But, my goodness, we have got a show for you as we get ready for the debate tonight. I already went over to the location in Milwaukee. Fox News is set up there. Uh, I did the show Fox and Friends with Brian Kilmeade this morning. Martha McCollum, Brett Baer, ready. There are eight Republican candidates going to be on the stage, but 
the shadow of Donald Trump looms large. Trump is going to turn himself in in Atlanta tomorrow. And I would submit that that means there is a relatively small window where people are going to be reacting to what happens on the debate stage. And also we'll see what happens between Trump and Tucker and how that impacts the viewership for this debate. Couple of little details that are out there. Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, went to the ER after being injured playing pickup basketball and said he's been to the ER several times before, I think, from playing pickup basketball. I don't know about you. I've played pickup basketball my whole life. I've never had to go to the ER. I feel like I should knock on wood because I'll probably tear the ACL uh, the next time I'm playing with my kids. Uh, but they're uncertain if he is going to be able to stand on the stage And if you wanted to know what is the worst possible scenario you could find yourself, it's to spend tens of millions of dollars to qualify to get on the stage in Milwaukee when a lot of people don't know you and then you get injured in a pickup basketball game the night before and you may not be able to actually stand on the stage. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But I think the big picture story here is can anyone truly make themselves a legitimate alternative to Donald Trump? It was interesting. Last night we were talking to Milwaukee audience. I just had the audience cheer. And I would say about 60% of the audience last night in Milwaukee was going to be supporting someone other than Donald Trump. 40% for Trump, which is a big number. 60% for someone other than Trump. Now, that's one small audience. Well, it's a pretty decent-sized audience. Several hundred of you, maybe 800, some 500. I don't know what the total number was. I couldn't even see. Uh, we'll have some pictures and video up uh, to be able to uh, to share that audience. But it was fantastic. I mean, just a spectacular time. And right now, Ron DeSantis is in second place. And he's managed to maintain that second place status, despite the fact that he has been attacked pretty aggressively in all directions. Vivek Ramaswamy, however, is moving up the uh, is moving up the board, so to speak. I think Vivek is solidly in third place. And if you remember, I told you right now that I thought there were five contenders. Now, maybe somebody else is going to be able to enter into this mix. But right now, I would say five contenders can win a primary. And by win a primary, I mean uh, Iowa, obviously, is a caucus, New Hampshire, South Carolina or Nevada. Somebody has to win that uh, one of those primaries in order to be considered a major contender to me. And there are five. Trump, clearly. And Trump is a prohibitive favorite at this point in time as we speak to all of you. I would say that there is around a 75 or 80 percent chance that Trump is going to be the nominee. If Trump is not the nominee, who is going to be that candidate that is able to step forward and challenge Trump for the nomination. I would submit to you that DeSantis is in second place. Vivek Ramaswamy is in third, in my opinion. Tim Scott in fourth. And then when you look at the fifth position, I think it would actually be Chris Christie because he's doing quite well in New Hampshire, which it makes sense because he's fairly well known in the Northeastern Republican circuit. So what needs to happen? for each candidate in order to challenge Trump? Or is this merely the undercard and Trump is basically going to be assessing people to see whether or not they could make sense for vice president? If the vice presidency 
is what these candidates are auditioning for tonight, I would submit to you that DeSantis will not be on this ticket. He won't do it. I think he would sit out. I would submit to you that Chris Christie has 0% chance of being on this ticket as well. So of the contenders out there, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, when you look at Scott, and I think when you look at Nikki Haley, those are the individuals that I would suspect Trump is looking at and contemplating as potentially being uh, his overall top candidate. Now, I am flying to New York City this afternoon as soon as we finish this show. I'm not going to go watch the debate in person because I've got a theory. I don't usually, when I did sports, I wouldn't watch the Super Bowl in person. I would go to the Super Bowl for Super Bowl week. We would do the radio show from there. And then I would hop a flight on Sunday, usually, fly back home and sit and watch the Super Bowl on my couch. Because that's how the vast majority of sports fans experience it. Same thing I think is going to be true of the debate. There are going to be around 10,000 people, potentially, Inside of this arena. This is where the Milwaukee Bucks play in Milwaukee. That means in terms of uh, what it will feel like for television viewers, there's going to be a lot of noise. There will be a lot of reaction. There may be catcalling. Uh, and I would suspect that you are going to see. Here's my prediction of what the debate is going to feel like. I think people are going to come after Ron DeSantis with everything they've got. Because I think everybody, instead of attacking Trump, is going to be trying to put themselves in that second spot where they are the default alternative. And so I think DeSantis is going to get assailed on all sides. How will he handle those attacks? And we've had Ron DeSantis on this show quite a lot. How normal is he going to seem? You win oftentimes in debates by seeming normal, in an abnormal circumstance. And that's why I think Vivek Ramaswamy's perspective is interesting. You may have seen him putting up videos playing tennis. He just put up video last night of he and his wife doing burpees and working out together. He's sending the message of, I'm relaxed, I know what I'm going to say, I am comfortable. And then you're going to have a lot of other people pressing for their big moment. Because we don't have another debate until late September. This is going to be the opportunity for many of these guys and for Nikki Haley to truly introduce themselves to the nation. So who has that moment that it goes viral of 30 seconds, both good or bad, that will echo and ricochet throughout the social media universe and then also lead the Fox Newses, the Newsmax, the CNNs, the MSNBCs of the world. I would also say this. This is an opportunity. We talked a lot last night at our Milwaukee event. You guys hear me talk about this all the time. I wrote about it a lot in American Playbook. This is an opportunity for all of these Republican candidates to also introduce themselves to a larger audience of independents and Democrat voters that might not otherwise be paying attention, and they get to do it without the coverage being colored or distorted by left-wing media in real time while you watch it. I think that was why Trump going on CNN was so smart. When Trump did the CNN town hall, he took away CNN's opportunity to define him for an hour and 20 minutes, and for two hours tonight, 
all of these Republican candidates are not going to be defined by someone else. They are going to have the opportunity to introduce themselves to you and let you know why they deserve your vote to be the nominee. Simultaneously, as they are attempting to grab attention, think about what Trump is doing to counter-program. He's going to be doing an interview with Tucker Carlson. Remember, Tucker Carlson is currently embroiled in a dispute with Fox News after Fox News pulled him off the air kind of out of nowhere, to be honest, back in, was it April now? Everything runs together. I think Tucker came off the news uh, initially in April. And Trump is also going to turn himself in tomorrow. So as much as there might be reaction to the debate, certainly tonight, but by tomorrow, the pivot will go towards Trump and the story in Georgia. He's going in many ways to snuff out the storyline of the debate by turning himself in potentially tomorrow morning. I guarantee you will not only on this program be talking about what happens on the debate, but also how Trump has managed the staging of his turn-in in Atlanta and whether he does any substantial media availability surrounding that. We want to give you guys opportunities to react. We've got a lot to discuss. Uh, Ron Johnson, senator from Wisconsin, is going to be in studio with us at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, so about 45 minutes from now, I think you guys are really going to enjoy that conversation. And hey, I would just put this out there. There's already a great deal of discussion about who could make sense as vice president. Just let me just put this out there. Ron Johnson just won Wisconsin, the state that may well decide the 2024 presidential election. He won it by 26,000 votes. I don't think you can under discuss or discount the idea that Ron Johnson may well be a vice presidential candidate. In fact, if I were advising Trump or any other Republican candidate who might be the nominee, I would say you should put Ron Johnson on your short list of vice presidential candidates. I think he's that talented, and I think his state matters that much. He has won in Wisconsin. That's what Republicans have to figure out how to do if 2024 is going to be a victory. Already a lot of people weighing in uh, about a variety of perspectives. We're going to be breaking all that down for you. 800-282-2882. It's going to be a fun show. I cannot wait to keep rolling through with all of you. And again, thank you to the hundreds of you that came out uh, in Milwaukee last night. I had so much fun. Maybe some of you want to weigh in with the discussion that we had and what you thought about that. 800 282 uh, 2882. If you're on a fixed income, an investment that delivers consistent returns without compromising your financial security may be right for you. Phoenix Capital Group offers high yield corporate bonds with returns of 9 to 12 percent interest that pays out monthly. With 2,000 plus satisfied investors paid on time every time, Phoenix Capital Group giving investors a new high yield option investing in domestic energy assets. Start earning these high yields and learn more about multiple offerings today 
at phxonair.com. Learn more by downloading their free investment packet today at phxonair.com. Learn how you can diversify your investments and earn 9 to 12% annual interest. Download the Phoenix Group's free investment packet at phxonair.com. Investments in bonds have a certain amount of risk associated with it, and you should only invest if you can afford to bear the risk of loss. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today. That's phxonair.com. He's Buck Sexton. He's Clay Travis. Together, they're breathing sanity into an insane world. Welcome in hour number two, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck is in Scotland. Uh, he would love to be here right now in Milwaukee in our studio because our friend Senator Ron Johnson, six more years representing the great state of Wisconsin, is in studio with us right now as everyone turns their attention to Milwaukee, to his home state, of Wisconsin. A little bit of a preview for the Republican National Convention that's going to be up here next year about this time. First of all, it's great to have you in studio. We've had you on the program many times, but I want to say congratulations face-to-face on winning, I think, one of the most important elections in all of 2022. You get six more years to bring the truth and to actually speak truth to power, which is supposedly uh, what politicians are often supposed to do. doesn't happen very often, so congratulations. It's great to have you in studio with us here. Well, first of all, welcome to Wisconsin. Thank you. I think you've already realized the the, the real value of Wisconsin is just really nice people. Fantastic. Right? Hopefully you got some fresh cheese curds. Yeah. Uh, but and, and appreciate the congratulations here. It was, uh, it, it was a tough race. Uh, Wisconsin's not easy. Uh, I agree with you. This is pretty well the bellwether state. Uh, as Wisconsin goes, I think as goes the nation. So uh, people need to. We need to win this state. So you won, I believe, by twenty six thousand votes, uh, and Trump won by around. You'll know better than me, but around twenty thousand votes in sixteen. He lost by around twenty thousand votes in twenty twenty. In your mind, we're sitting here sixteen months out, roughly, from the twenty twenty four election. How optimistic are you about Wisconsin going back red, regardless of who the nominee is? What needs to happen for Wisconsin to be in the Republican camp? Ground game. It's really that simple. The Democrats have a very easy time of mining votes in Madison and Milwaukee. Republicans, we have to get our votes from all over the state. It's just a much more difficult task. And, you know, in 2022, the abortion abortion was a big issue. It certainly drove their voter enthusiasm, particularly in Madison. Uh, we've got to come to grips with that here in this state. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be any kind of ballot measure in November. But it really is. It's about instead of spending all the millions of dollars on ads, which you have to spend some, take a pretty good chunk of that money. And I'd say this is true in every state. Spend a lot more money on paid field staff where it's, Legal to ballot harvest, we have to do it. We've got to get in, we've got to get in that same process. And we need to mine the votes early and just keep identifying voters and getting them out to vote. Eight candidates tonight are going to be on the stage in the Milwaukee Buck Arena. What do you expect to see from those eight candidates? And without Trump being there, what does it do to the debate in your mind in terms of allowing people to assess the field? It's going to be really interesting without Trump there. Um, are, are they going to, a few of them, attack Trump? 
uh, challenge some of the things he did, whether it's on COVID or, or whatever? Uh, are they going to, you know, strike a more positive tone? Are they going to be telling America what their vision for a future is? Uh, I, I really don't know. I haven't, haven't really spoken to any of them. So it'll just be really interesting to see exactly how each one of those uh, primary candidates handles the debate. You've been in a lot of debates over your career. What have you found works when it comes to the debate? Not necessarily the arguments you're going to make, but as you well know, it's oftentimes how you respond to attacks, meaning physically how you look. I know you're a student of history, too. Kennedy beats Nixon for everybody who watched on television. He loses on radio. Optics, cosmetics matter a lot. If you were giving advice to a Republican presidential candidate as they get ready for this debate, and also, as we think about, we'll get to whether Biden can even debate or whether we think he will uh, or be the nominee. But what advice would you give? What have you found that works well for you in debates? Primarily be yourself. You know, yeah. Be knowledgeable enough to about the issues so you can respond to a question without having a canned response. Now, I think what the public responds to is somebody they view as genuine. They may not necessarily agree with what you're saying, but if they think that you believe what you're saying uh, – they appreciate that fact. You know, they, they don't like people uh, making things up or you know trying to be somebody they're not trying to be. So uh, I think genuineness is probably the, the the one quality that is missing in so many candidates, and it's the value, or the quality that most people value. And I've said this on the radio show before. You may or may not have heard it. If I were the presidential nominee, you would be on my supreme short list of vice presidential nominees, whether it's Trump, whether it's DeSantis, whomever it were, who might be the presidential nominee. If you were on the ticket, do you think you could deliver Wisconsin? If they just, if I, let's pretend that I was the presidential candidate and I came to you and I said, look, Wisconsin's going to decide this election. You've won in Wisconsin a bunch of times. I just want you to hit the ground running in Wisconsin, figure out what we need to do to win here. Do you think if you were the VP, Wisconsin would be red? I'm not so sure it's what I could do to influence Wisconsin. It's what I could do to influence how we run campaigns in the key states. Again, yeah. I would be talking to the campaign consultants who I, I'm not real fond of. Now okay? Tell me about I want I want to cut you off there for a sec because I'm fascinated by it. This You know every single hotel in Milwaukee right now is filled with campaign consultants. Everybody's got their blow-dry hair experts. They've got their wear-this-tie expert. Make sure that you have this color jacket on. They're all gurus of presentation. As a candidate, how do you assess all of the periphery, what I would call the penumbra of candidate advisement? Well, you, you ignore the consultants at your own peril because, you know, they know exactly how to twist your words. So Yes. Okay, so you have to listen to them. But you can't totally rely on them. You gotta use your own gut instinct because too many campaign consultants, it's all cookie cutter campaigns. Yeah. Cookie cutter polls, cookie cutter approach. It's easy for them, you know, campaign after campaign. I don't fault them for it, but, you know, candidates have to understand that. And so, unfortunately, consultants make their money. You know, they get a cut on the advertising. They don't make money. It's a good money. business to be they, in. They don't make money, for example, uh, really exploring what we can do to make sure that we have integrity in our elections. They don't make money uh, hiring the paid field staff so that you can get out there and you can mine every vote that you have to mine. It's just not where the money comes in the campaign consultant. So I just don't think they run the type of campaign that needs to be waged in order to actually win. Midwest is going to decide this election. I, I feel confident. You may not be. I think we can win back Georgia and Arizona. 
um, regardless of who the nominee is. But even if you win Georgia and Arizona, you have to win somewhere in the Midwest in order to put the presidency back in the control of the Republicans. Wisconsin was closest. Trump obviously had a great deal of success in Michigan, in Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. The voting laws got changed, different uh, aspects of that. But when you go back and you look and you study 2016 and 2020, what did Trump get right in 2016 that didn't necessarily translate in the Big Ten states in 2020? Well, first of all, I think uh, enough Republicans or Wisconsinites recognize that Hillary Clinton was a criminal and they couldn't vote for her. <laughs> right. No, I'm, I'm no, I think, I mean, that's well said. What but we it, did right in 2020 versus 2018 when we lost the governorship, we only had 69 assembly Republican candidates in 2018. I made sure, with the help of a very generous donor, that we funded the campaigns of 92 Assembly Republican candidates and made all the difference. So I'll give you the numbers. I used to be the record vote-getter as a Republican candidate. I got 1,480,000 votes here. Obama is the record holder with 1,680,000. 200,000-vote difference, right? By having a fuller slate of Republican Assembly candidates, Collectively, in 2020, they got 1,661,000 votes, almost Obama's record. What proves the concept is we also had a full slate of congressional candidates, eight of them. They also got 1,661,000 votes. The, the total was within a couple hundred votes. So Republicans came out, and they voted for Republicans. Uh, if you don't have uh, candidates on the ballot, you're going to have people that are going to stay home. You, you get your, I always say, bring out your second, fifth, and 15th cousin, right? Yeah. So we Republicans need as many candidates down ballot as well as at the top of the ticket as well. But that's, again, that's all ground game. It's all grassroots. You know, so every local office that's contended in uh, November, we need to have a Republican candidate on the ballot. They're trying to bring back masks. Uh, I don't know if you saw. I, I, oh, I, know, I, I know, hope people can see the video reaction. Vaccine mandates. No, it's just awful. It's awful what we're doing. You were right on everything COVID, uh, and I give you tremendous credit for being willing to speak truth again to the massive array of power, as you well know, that tried to prevent truth from being spoken and still is. When you see college kids being mandated to wear masks, a Hollywood studio, I think it was Lionsgate, came out and said everybody on the studio has to wear masks now. How do we return people to sanity? I was up at the University of Michigan. My oldest son was doing summer camp there. I couldn't believe the number of teenagers and 20-somethings I saw outdoors in Ann Arbor walking around. I'm sure the same thing is happening on the University of Wisconsin campus in Madison. All over these places, kids are still wearing masks. When you see that happen, what do you think? Remember, the massive stroke of the left was taking over our university systems in the 60s by the radical left. So they they controlled all colleges, but in particular, colleges of education and of journalism. So we're not graduating teachers anymore. We're graduating people that indoctrinate our children for, you know, 12 years. And then they come into college, which is the main indoctrination site. You know, we're not graduating journalists anymore. We're graduating advocates for the left. So that gives the left all their power. That's why they've been been able to infiltrate every institution of this country, and now it's showing. So on college campuses in particular, what a great way to to educate your our young people to obey. You know, scare the you-know-what out of them. I mean, here's a virus that's going to kill you. No, if you're young and healthy, it's not. Yeah. But they've put the fear of the Lord in them, whether it's on climate change, the world's going to end. The I guess climate change didn't give them enough control, so the pandemic, they seized that. 
and they're just not letting go. Even though, you know, young people didn't die unless you got myocarditis from the vaccine. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I saw a recent poll about a third of Americans agree the fact, the fact that vaccines killed people, but the other two thirds are either unsure or absolutely think that's false. So, you know, we're not necessarily winning that argument. We're, we're winning over some of the population, but the majority of the population continues to listen to the COVID cartel. You know, the, the administration, the federal health agencies, Big Farm, who's captured the agencies as well as the media, and big tech social media giants. I mean, we're we're fighting powerful forces here, Clay. Can you come back spend one more segment with us? Absolutely. Uh, we're talking to Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. You can reach out, ask some questions. I want to ask you about a couple of things when we come back for sure. I want to ask you about the Biden crime family. And I also want to ask you whether you think, based on your experience, Joe Biden is or is not going to run and what conversations inside of the Senate about Biden's abilities actually sound like. We'll talk about that with Senator Ron Johnson. We're live in Milwaukee as the Republican debate inches closer and closer. And I want to tell you, as 9-11 illnesses continue to take lives all these years later, a whole generation knows little to nothing about our nation's darkest day. Sounds hard to believe, but it's true. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute was launched to right this wrong by helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about 9-11. Their nonfiction first-person accounts told through videos and the Discovering Heroes book series these accounts moving and unparalleled. Kids won't forget these true stories. The Institute offers full curriculum units with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and background for teachers. There's also a speakers bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. Frank Siller, by the way, doing an incredible job. I saw him this morning. He is here working as hard as he can. I saw him, talk to him about his big golf event that's going on in October that I'm going to be a part of. 9-11, they also have a mobile exhibit, tractor-trailer, interactive museum. To never forget, we must educate future generations, help our nation honor its vow. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Don't miss a day of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Welcome back in, live in Milwaukee, as the Republican debate inches closer and closer with Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. A quote that you gave to the New York Times, which was not fully uh, revealed. I loved it. I retweeted it. Joe Biden went after you on a recent twi- uh, trip to Wisconsin. You were asked for comment by the New York Times, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's a pretty succinct quote. He is senile and he is lying. That was you on Joe Biden, which is fabulously, I think, well said. Is Joe Biden going to be the nominee? And what in Capitol Hill circles, as senators sit around and talk, is said about Joe Biden? Because I know many of them in the Senate would know him from his time in the Senate still. Uh, I I honestly would be surprised if he were the nominee. My guess is they'll... You know, drag him along until convention, and then it'll be obvious that he can't be, and they'll name somebody, and America won't have time to really vet that person. The the media will praise this uh, person as the, you know the savior of the country and of the Democrat Party, and you know that's what they'll try and do to get a Democrat elected. But I just have a hard time. I mean, he's 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 obviously unfit for the job. He's he's corrupt. He lies, and he's declining. There's no doubt about it. And I don't say that with any joy. I mean, it's sad to see that happen with people with age, but that's what's happened to the president. We're slowly finally getting the truth 
about the cover-up and the rig job surrounding the Biden crime family. You have found yourself centrally located here. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on the show. I read an editorial yesterday in the Washington Post where they said, oh, by the way, Joe Biden may have actually been involved with Hunter Biden. I said, oh, my goodness, really? I'm shocked. So what do you think ends up happening with the investigations into Hunter Biden and his relationship with Joe Biden? And where do you see that going? Listen, it has been so obvious for so long that he's a liar, that he is corrupt, that it's the Biden crime family. Uh, I don't think we'll ever have enough evidence for the media to really report on this honestly. They, they may do their modified limited hangout, you know, just, you know, they're starting to do that right now, but they'll never give the American public the full truth here. Um, so my guess is we'll continue to find piece of the puzzle. We'll kind of fill it in until it's so glaringly obvious that maybe the mainstream media will have to start covering this, stop ignoring it and covering it honestly, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. You actually were directly involved in this, and you've talked about it on this program and many other places. The FBI tried to tell you that you were being uh, used, basically, by Russian disinformation agents, and then they leaked that they gave you that briefing. I think this is an integral part of the whole story. Listen, I think the FBI was trying to pre-sabotage the disclosure of the Hunter Biden laptop ever since they picked it up. Yep. You know, they, they warned McIsaac, you know, hey... Our experiences, people don't talk about these things, don't get hurt. Uh, we were accused by our Democrat ranking members of soliciting and, and uh, disseminating Russian disinformation all of 2020 during our, our uh, investigation. In August of 2020, both Senator Grassley and I get separate unsolicited briefings from the FBI where they tell us that. I just roll my eyes. Oh, oh, are you, now you're telling us we're targets of Russian disinformation, huh? Uh, do you have more information? They had nothing. I said, okay, who told you to brief us? Three years later, Clay, they will not tell us who directed that briefing. Of course, then they leaked that briefing in May of 2021, basically calling me a Russian stooge. Hey, this guy was warned. Of course, none of our information was Russian disinformation. Right. It was all true. It came from U.S. Treasury records, from interviews with U.S. persons, but we only had pieces of the puzzle. And, of course, the media... Because they, they bought what the Democrats were saying is rush disinformation, completely ignored our report as they ignored the Hunter Biden laptop. So all this was known. I mean, I've known for a long time that, that Joe Biden never should have been elected president, but the majority of Americans didn't realize it. Biggest question, most important question, probably the most controversial debate topic going on all over the state of Wisconsin right now. How is Jordan Love going to do taking over for Aaron Rodgers? God, I hope he does well. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I mean, Brett Favre, uh, Aaron Rodgers, can you have three in a row? Uh, gotta, you I, Packer I, I sure fans so. are spoiled. You don't know how tough it is for the rest of us in the NFL. Senator Ron Johnson, keep up the good work. We appreciate it. Have fun tonight, and uh, thank you for being with us here. You too. Take care. I got to tell you, think about all the times you bought stuff online. You've entered your data so many places, making your online identity more vulnerable. Cyber thieves are more sophisticated, too. How do you protect yourself? Well, with LifeLock by Norton. Their online monitoring system scan through hundreds of millions of transactions daily looking for evidence of your information in the wrong hands important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses but lifelock can certainly help you quickly join now 
and save 25% off your first year with promo code CLAY. That's C-L-A-Y, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or go online to lifelock.com. Promo code CLAY for 25% off. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, getting ready for what I think it's fair to call a big game, the Republican debate tonight in Milwaukee. We are in Milwaukee, broadcasting from our affiliate WISN. We had an amazing time last night at the Paps Theater. Dan O'Donnell, who many of you listen to in Milwaukee, and I had a conversation in front of hundreds of you among the crowd. Alexi Lawless, what did you think of the event? Last it was night? great. Thank you for having me. It was a beautiful uh, venue, by the way. I the mean, Pap just Cedar was gorgeous, incredible. gorgeous. And you did a you did a wonderful job. I mean, uh, obviously, people hear you each and every day, but you got to go into depth, into depth, read some of the book. Um, and congratulations on the success of the book. But it was it was fun to hear you talk from a much more personal place where you could kind of spread spread things out. And you know, you are a real human being with a real heart <laughs> and, and all that. Don't kill my vibe by claiming <laughs> that I have a heart. Um, all right, so you just came back from Australia. Yep. You're here to watch the debate in Milwaukee. We talked about the tension uh, that many of the participants will feel on the stage that is akin to the way that you would feel for a big game. You talked about the emotional impact. Let's just talk about this. Did you, when you played for the U.S. men's soccer team mm-hmm. in 1994, uh, the, game, the last time that the World Cup was played in the United States, would you have ever believed that in any way a soccer team would become a political statement in any way? That there would be people cheering for or against the U.S. team, not based at all on how they perform on the field, but right. based on what they say off of it? I would have believed that soccer would become more popular and therefore the team and the players would become more popular. But the the political part of the equation, I don't think I could have envisioned. I mean, look... I, I never served my country in a military capacity, but I walked out there representing my country. I put on that shirt. I put my hand over my heart. I sung that song. And to me, that was a representation of my country. And all of us standing there doing that and then going out and playing the game, regardless of the result, I wanted to give the best possible account of myself and of my country. Yeah, it never would have occurred to me back then. I don't think it would have occurred to, for example, the 1999 women's team yes. uh, in the in the World Cup, Women's World Cup that we had in 1999. Then they went on to I don't think either of those teams could have foreseen how politicized the world would get, our country would get, and how it m- would manifest within sports. I said, Alexi, I was at the Women's World Cup championship game in Vancouver with my family in 2015. You're right, 1999, for people out there who remember it, was one of the most beloved American sports teams ever. But as recently as 2015, everyone loved the U.S. women's soccer team. I mean, it was a team that was among the most liked, well-respected teams that I can remember in sports. Mm -hmm. And then in the space of eight years, many of those same women the Megan Rapinos of the world, the Alex Morgans of the world, they went from everybody wants them to win and they are a perfect representation of American exceptionalism to many people in this audience actually feeling a form of, of joy yeah. when Megan Rapino skied her penalty kick to the right and Sweden beat America. That's an extraordinary path. For the U.S. women's soccer team to have taken. Yeah, there are there are those to your point that watched this team and and hate watched this team yeah. and were happy and felt a sense to your point of joy and maybe 
vindication, I don't know if that's the right word, when this team, when this team lost. And, you know, it speaks to the politicization of our country. It also speaks to the polarization of the country. And so, you know, when we were talking about this team, you know, at one point I, I, I said, look, don't kill the messenger, but this is the situation. And I laid it out like you did. Yeah. This is a team that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. This is a team that is polarizing. This is a team that for many and for a portion of the country is unlikable. And that has been created over time. And by the way, I'm not telling the women uh, or anybody in the soccer space anything that they don't know. But when you say it out loud, all hell, all hell breaks loose. Now, what I do hope is that going forward, the next time we see this women's national team or any representation of the U.S. in a, in a sports form, that it is a uniting type of thing. Because as as you know, there's nothing like sports. And it and it at its best form, can bring everybody together. And we can put aside all of those issues for at least the 90 minutes of a game and cheer what I think is the greatest country in the world through an actual sports team on the field. It's it's such an important point because it used to be the case that if you are in a stadium or an arena and your team or even at a sports bar, wherever you may be watching a game, and a team wins – you turn around and the identity of your fellow tribe of fans doesn't matter. Whether you are gay or straight, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, you don't think about any of that when you high-five people around you and you are joyfully brought together. That, to the U.S. women's soccer team, was no longer the case, I think, for sure in 23. Do you think America will get back? to being able to come together again and unite in a common joy at American exceptionalism, or do you think we're so hopelessly uh, disconnected and, uh, and, and at each other's throats that this common humanity of being able to root for a team together is lost. I do think, you know, I, I have teenagers, I know you have kids. Yeah. Uh, I do think that that generation is going to be, just so bombarded by this that they might go the opposite way. And 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 again, Clay, just because you want that, uh, and at this point now it looks utopian to have that type of idealistic type of but uh, I think sports. You, thing. you would agree with this. For people who grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even the early 2000s, we were pretty united yeah. in terms of our ability to root together. Yeah, we were. We were and it felt awesome. It did. You know, we were down in Australia. The Australian national team had this moment. The women's team got hot. I, I, I was jealous. Yeah. I was sitting there saying, this is what sports are about. This is what a national team can do. And it just happens to be soccer, but it can be, I mean, you know, the baseball. So I do think there's moments. Earlier this year was last year when the baseball uh, was happening. Uh, the national teams were playing. The and World people, Baseball the World Championship. Ba- there was a feeling that everybody was kind of coming together in that moment. So I do Japan think that. Japan certainly came yeah, together but, in that moment. But I, I do think that that can happen. And, and one more thing. That does not mean, okay, that you can't express your, your views. I, Megan Rapino is a, an incredible soccer player. I will defend her to my dying breath for her to have the ability and the freedom to be able to express things. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't come with consequences. And so when I talk about that this is the team and this is what has happened because of the things that you have done, because of the things that you have said, because of your actions, and I vehemently disagree with Megan Rapino and others on certain uh, things, some in their literal stance on yeah. the field. But ultimately, like I said, I 
I believe in their freedom to do so. But in doing so, you have created this divide in the in the way that people look. And it's relative to what's happening in politics and what's happening in our nation. I get that. But I do think that it, it might come around where people just say, I don't want to deal with that anymore. It's so bombarded. And I hope for this next generation that they have that ability because we were blessed to be able to be in those moments. Because nothing, nothing feels like when you are united as a country and behind a country and you can, at least for that moment, forget about everything and all that other crap, it's it's an incredible feeling, and we've lost that feeling. And I do worry that this generation will not have the opportunity to have that feeling. What's it feel like to look up at CNN and they have a graphic <laughs> with you and your World Cup performance yeah. and then Megan Rapino's World Cup performance as if you guys had played against each other in some way? And you know what was happening. They were attacking the validity of your opinion by trying to attack your playing career. But when CNN it gets involved, I mean, it is a reflection of the fact that this soccer team has become so political that that's a lead story. Yeah. So first off, um, I was never allowed when I was growing up to uh, compete for a women's World Cup. Okay. Uh, secondly, there's well, not. You would have been a hell of a women's soccer player. I could have. I could have kicked some badass. ass. All right. Yes. That that graphic might look very different yes. right now. Yes. Uh, the, the other thing is uh, when it comes to compare and contrast. I was a defender. She's an attack. She's an attacking uh, attacking player. And you cannot find an American soccer player who even comes close to winning a World Cup uh, at this point because the men's team has not actually won a World Cup. But it comes with the territory. It's fine. They my name right uh, and it's cnn ultimately so uh, so i don't I, you know that's uh that that's part of you know this back and forth and everybody kind of has taken sides and i get where cnn is coming uh, where, where they're coming from but like i said it also was a kick-ass picture i looked awesome in that picture <laughs> all right when you hear the uh, national anthem play mm-hmm. you played again as we said on the 1994 team mm-hmm. but you I have watched you. When, you. when the U.S. plays Mexico, for instance, you have such a tremendous amount of pride in the United States. And it seems the case, even when you're not playing, that that emotion still overcomes you as you watch the national anthem play. Do you think that that is the way that the majority of American athletes feel? Is the Megan Rapinos of the world in the minority in terms of the way that they feel? In your experience, I I have to believe that you know the the power of Megan Rapino and others that kind of forced people to do it does not necessarily represent the majority. Um, look, you know the national anthem. I know it's easy to just kind of throw it away and throw it aside and whatever. It's just you know we, we it's hackneyed and it's played too much and all that kind of stuff. For me, I always looked at it. At, this is ninety seconds. 90 seconds when we can come together as a country and celebrate what I feel is the greatest country in the world. And all of that kind of other stuff can uh, can go away. And it's an agreed-upon 90 seconds. And so to have that 90-second co-opt or hijacked, I thought that's where ultimately the disrespect came from. It is a ritual. It is a routine. It is a tradition. And traditions can change, and we can move on, but... The majority of people have agreed and come together as a society and said, this is something that we are going to do. And by the way, when you do agree to that, 
it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And by no means does it, does it mean that you don't, uh, can't have different feelings and different opinions or that you can't see things that are, that are bad. But in this one moment to come together, I mean, I, I get emotional when I was, the, when I was doing it, when I was on the field. I get emotional when I, when I see it. And, you know, you can call me corny. I really, do, it really doesn't matter because I, I, this is this is a this is a moment for my country that I feel that I have represented, and when that is taken away, um, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, if that's the new tradition, if that's the new ritual, fine. But that has to be a majority, and I worry that people are being bullied into doing that, and it you know comes because people are scared. I mean, there was a time where we were all so bold as a country and as a people, and now we're all so scared to do anything, lest you know and. If, it's one thing if you do it, okay? It's one thing if you have power, if you have money, if you have the ability to withstand the inevitable, you know, uh, arrows and, that are gonna come. But if, if, if you have to have that to actually be honest or to stand up for what you feel is right, what kind of a country is that? Everybody should feel free and not be in fear of saying what they believe and doing what they believe, you know, lest someone come for them. He's Alexi Lawless. He's fantastic. Even if you don't like soccer, I know Buck is a major soccer yes, guy. Yes. He used to coach. My, you met my wife last night who was coaching nine year old. You're giving her tips on how to coach nine year old. She's soccer. wonderful. My God. Talk about out kicking your coverage or whatever. <laughs> Good God. She is smart and she is fun. Both of which, uh, way too good for me, but should be the goal of every man out there. Alexi, enjoy the uh, debate tonight. I can't I'm sure wait. we'll have you on again sometime soon. It was awesome to hang out with you. Uh, and I know you're going to have an awesome time in Milwaukee tonight, both at the debate and afterwards. Thank you. Innovation refunds. They've been helping small businesses get a business payroll tax from the IRS, part of the Employee Retention Credit, also known as the ERC. If you own a business with more than five employees, you could have money waiting to be claimed. Second opinions matter when there's a lot of money involved. If your CPA said you might not qualify for the ERC, it might be worth getting a second opinion. Innovation Refunds will collaborate with your CPA to assess your eligibility, ensuring you feel confident before submitting your application. Innovation Refunds does not provide tax or legal advice. They work with an independent network of tax professionals and will share information with them to evaluate and process your claims. Terms and conditions apply. Go to innovationrefunds.com online or call 1-843-REFUNDS. There's no upfront charges. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Again, that number, 1-843-REFUNDS. The website address, innovationrefunds.com. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24-7. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are joined now by the man who did a fabulous event, I thought, last night. I think the reaction has been great in Milwaukee at the Paps Theater. Dan O'Donnell, he is killing it in Milwaukee on 1130 AM WISN. Just total dominance in the ratings, the market here, everything else. Congratulations to you. Your family was there. What was your biggest takeaway from the audience and their reaction to our conversation about the battleground that is Wisconsin? Honestly, the optimism. I mean, you're, I think, a lot more optimistic than I am about 2024. <laughs> and then Buck is, uh, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, I, I, mean, I tend to be an optimist. We're, we're sort of cynics and pessimists by nature, but I think a lot of people here in what is almost certainly going to be, along with Georgia and Arizona, the critical swing state, I think we believe that, honestly, 
President Trump only lost by 20,000 votes three years ago, and he won by about 20,000 votes in 2016. It is that close in a state of 5.8 million people. There's a lot of work to be done, sure, but it's not the heavy lift of, say, convincing 100,000 people to change their votes or getting 100,000 new voters out to the polls. You know Wisconsin well. You just mentioned how close it was in 16. Trump wins by a small margin, loses by a small margin margin in 20. How would you set the odds right now if Trump were the nominee? And if it weren't Trump, is there anybody that you see that could be on that stage tonight and you say, man, that guy or that girl would kill I think on Wisconsin with the with appealing to Republican voters. I know Ron DeSantis is very strong here in Wisconsin. What do you attribute that to? Well, we've got a lot of Wisconsinites here when it's five below zero mid in mid January. They snowbird down to Florida. (laughs) That's a great point. And a lot of people, because Florida has no state income tax, and Wisconsin has a, a relatively high state income tax, they've actually become Florida residents. My mom among them, who I met last night, and is fabulous. (laughs) She lives in the Naples area where we're big down right Right, now. I appreciate everybody listening there. And, And you know what? People love what he has done with the state of Florida. If the nominee is President Trump, I think it's going to be perhaps more difficult because we just had a state Supreme Court election in which the candidate... Uh, for the conservatives was tied very deeply to Trump. He lost by 10 percentage points. In fact, Wisconsin in the 2016 primary was the last state that President Trump lost. There is a substantial, I'm not going to call it never Trump movement, but still there are suburbanites who kind of bristle at President Trump. And therefore, I think there's an opening for someone else here. Whether that's going to matter because our primary isn't until next April remains to be seen. Quickly here, how and it's a tough question. How much do you think abortion matters in Wisconsin? Oh, I think it's huge. I think the state Supreme Court race turned on two issues. It was President Trump and it was abortion. It's going to be a big, big issue moving forward here. He is Dan O'Donnell. We had so much fun. The station, WISN in Milwaukee. Keep killing it, my man. Tell your family. We appreciate them coming out, too. And thank you to all who came out last night. We are going to be joined next by the senator who won by 26,000 votes in Wisconsin. What does he think needs to happen for Wisconsin to go back red in 2024? And what does he believe we're going to see on the stage tonight in Milwaukee? Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin in studio with us here in Milwaukee next. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to the Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. 
He sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, and he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave Major Turnbull a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's severely injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs.